Isabella Johnston, and I am the Intern Whisperer. Our show is brought to you by Employers for Change, a software platform that helps you match talent to your jobs and your company and your people. Today's tip of the week is all about the accounting industry because of this week's guest. And you're going to be able to hang in there and enjoy it, but his name is Mark Adams. And he's going to tell you more about that industry. But let's look at something that's interesting about the top trends as we go into 2030. Outsourcing. We've seen it. It is just the writing on the wall. And it has been consistently reporting that the need for outsourced bookkeepers and accountants is continuing to rise. It was predicted that by 2020, the finance and accounting outsourcing market in the U.S. would be worth $17.1 billion dollars. But by 2027, the market for outsourced financial and accounting functions is expected to grow to $56.6 billion. That's huge. That is just monumental growth there. So outsourcing helps companies to focus more on their core work rather than worrying over petty issues. This Thus, when tedious work gets outsourced by professionals, they enjoy more concentration on values such as profitability and resources. Outsourcing services have now become the fastest growing sector in the accounting world because of this. Firms opt more for outsourcing accounting services since they enjoy more proficient and reliable professional services. Hi, welcome to the Intern Whisper. Our show is all about the future of careers and work. And today's guest is Mark Adams. He is the owner of Next Level Business Advisors. Mark helps business owners with Cash Max program, bookkeeper on demand program, and he offers full service accounting services. And he has a podcast, Business SOS Stories of Success. And I was on his podcast. So thank you, Mark, for that. Pleasure. It was amazing having you. Oh, you're so kind. I am so happy to have, I, I like having people from the finance industry because people are afraid to talk about money, but it's nice to have you guys on because you help eliminate a lot of that fear. I love talking about money. So it, it works yeah. out really well. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is really, really good. So I typically will kick off the show by asking you, what five words would you use to describe you and why those five words? Okay. Yeah. And I was like struggling with coming up with the five, but this is what I've got. Okay. Driven, <laughs> driven, caring, compassionate, empathetic, and hilarious. All right. So <laughs> why driven? I think that I'm driven and it's kind of interesting because maybe the drive has waned a little bit, but I had goals when I was much younger so mm -hmm. sad right and i i drove myself to make those things happen by hook or by crook i mean and i'm talking about secularly right my goals were i i had them in mind and it took a lot of different steps to get there and i drove all the way through and i think it was important for me to do that in order to be where i'm at today but it did take a lot of drive so that's how i came up with driven mm -hmm. i like that one I would say yes, because I know we've had some offline conversations about doing some stuff together. So I'm throwing that one out there. And you mentioned that you have a coach. And I went, okay, that is somebody that is serious, serious about business when you have a coach. Yeah, I think, you know, I years ago, I used to think, I don't need no stinking coach. I could figure it out my own. But when I hit my ceiling and couldn't break through, I realized that if I'm going to keep moving forward, I need help. So it takes a little bit of humility to recognize your own shortcomings, your own weaknesses. And then you, if you have that humility, you make that decision, it can change your game. So I've had a few coaches in my business career, and that's actually what drove me to be what I am now, which is a coach to other business owners, because mm -hmm. I understand the value that can be brought when you have somebody who's by your side, helping you along the way. Mm -hmm. I like that, that you mentioned humility because I don't know why, but we always think we have to know everything and we don't, you know? And I think that's one of the first masks that come off of a person is when they say, it's okay. I can say I need help and I'm going to be okay with it. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And when you can make that admission, you're going to break, break through hurdles that you didn't even realize were holding you back. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's valuable to have a bit of humility when you're running your own, especially when you're running your own business. I agree. Yep. You mentioned compassionate. So why compassionate? Yeah, I'm kind of a real softy and I feel for people when I, when I, and this is in every area, but when I'm seeing a person struggling, if it's business wise, I feel for them. I mean, I, I want to help. It's just, it's just the way that I'm wired. I think I get that from my mom. So that's the way, the way I am, even when it comes to other areas of life that are not related to business. If I have a friend who's going through something, I want to be by their side. So I'm, I'm grateful to be compassionate. Sometimes it takes a toll emotionally, but I, I think that it makes me a better person to be compassionate and not to become hardened. Mm-hmm. You know, when we have so many challenges in life and we're going through a lot of difficult things, even in business, sometimes we can be hardened. You know, someone's struggling, just get over it. Just make this, but we can't do it that way, right? It's like setting a bone. You know, you can snap it back in place or you can gently get it to where it needs to be. So that's what I think compassionate is all about. I like that you said get it gently back where it needs to be. I I don't think people think about that, you know, as a a metaphor for life. That's just really good. Really liked it. All right. So the next one that you have is, let me get back over here, caring. And, and, you know, it's kind of funny because I think those are closely related, right? Compassionate, caring, empathetic, but really it's just, especially when it comes to business, I'm going to just focus on that. So I don't come off like a real weenie here, but when it comes to business, when you're advising people, it's easy to to just spew off advice, Mm -hmm. especially when you have a lot of, I have a lot of years. I've been doing it for 20 years now a little bit more than that, you know, it's just do this, 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 and that. And I know it works, but if you don't know it works and you don't try it, well, it's going to be your problem. But mm-hmm. caring makes me try to really help my clients understand why I'm asking them to do what they do. Sometimes I get a little bit like, you know, you've got to try it, trust me kind of thing. But I'm, I'm, I want them to be successful. And that for that, you have to care. It's not mm-hmm. about the, the money that I make. It's about the money that they make. I care that they're getting what they want out of their business. Yeah. And and I think that's I think that many time when times when people go to a professional, they think of it as being transactional instead of it being a relationship and that oh we can actually care about each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's to me that's all that really matters, right? We can always find someone to make a transaction but it's hard to find what I call vibe, find someone that I can vibe with, that I can feel comfortable with. And I think when you can vibe with someone, when you know they care, it allows you to trust them more. My current coach, same thing. We've been through a lot of different iterations for what he's trying to help me with. I think he's learning a lot of things along the way, but I know that he wants me to be successful. So it allows me to trust him as he guides me and allows me to be patient as we have our, speed bumps on the highway to success. (laughs) Very, very true. Very true. So true. One of the things that you, you, when you're mentioning that too, about accountability is we, we think that we're accountable, right? Many times people think, oh yeah, no, I don't need a coach. Just like what you were saying in that scenario, but the ability to, to go to another level, if they think about it from a sports perspective, the Olympics, they didn't get there by themselves. There, There's always a coach. And every football game or any sport that you've ever played in high school, there's a coach. And you didn't learn stuff on your own. You had teachers. So they're essentially coaches also. So I don't know where it became this thing that was like, it's not good when it really is good. Yeah, I, that's that's an amazing point. And I'm not sure where the, you know, that digression came from because we grow up, like you said, in our lives with coaches in one way or another. If we went to school, we had coaches and we, you know, we got value from that. When we start our own business, I think when we get to become adults and we have a few challenges, sometimes we get scared to show vulnerability. 
yeah. to show an inability to accomplish a task. And so we won't admit it sometimes until it's too late. Other times it's after much pain. But again, that's that humble side that we have to have. We become Very more, much. we become more, less humble as we get older sometimes. Yeah. So, well, I, I always hope it's the opposite. I think that it's with age should come wisdom. Yes. <clears throat> Doesn't always mean that, but of it course. should be that you get wisdom and that's not the same as being smart. Many times I think when we're young, we think, oh, you know, I know this. I, I can't learn anything from anyone else when that is so not true. Absolutely. I agree with you. That's how it is in business. You know, when you start a business, if you start a business at 75 years old, you're you're starting over like you're like a baby because the business yeah. is the new thing for you. And so they start the business with I know how to do this. You know, I've been making widgets all my life and I've just started a business about it and they don't understand all the nuance around the business part. So that's that part. Right. So once you're in business for a little bit, got a little age on you now and you say, hey, I need help. I see it. So, yes, with age comes wisdom. And that also starts with your business. I'm going to throw even a Bible verse in here on us. So okay. there's, there's this place of, we know that with many counselors, I do not have the exact place from the Bible and I should know this one, but when it's we- in the proverb somewhere. Oh, I'm sure you're right. I'm sure you're right. But, you know, we can look it up in a minute, but I know that there's wisdom in having many, many counselors and yes. that is coaches and that is advisors. So we- it's so funny because in personal life, we'll go and talk to our friends. Hey, what do you think I should do? But yet we don't want to always talk to professionals. Yes, absolutely. It's, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest and tell you what I think the difference is for many entrepreneurs, especially. Your personal coaches, your friends, they yeah. don't charge you by the hour or by the project or by the month. <laughs> that investment in your business is something that's hard for people to understand because they're looking at it as an expense and not an investment. Mm -hmm. And if you look at it as an expense and you are just building your business, every dollar counts to you and you might feel, which is why I didn't have a coach for a long time. I can't afford to pay somebody to tell me what to do. I can just figure it out myself. Yeah. And it's understandable. And I think that's why you need a little bit of time in the game, because once you make a little bit of money, you say, okay, I've gotten this far. Now let me get help. But what some people don't realize is that there are all different, there are different types of coaches and advisors, right? So maybe you can't get a high-end advisor at first, but get someone who can give you some help, join a program, join a mastermind. There are a lot of ways to get help. Mm -hmm. Don't be cheap and don't, make the mistake of not understanding that it is an investment, not a, not an expense. Investments help you make money. They sure do. And I know you're going to talk about that. So we're going to go to the next word. And I, I jumped a word. So I know we talked you, about driven, compassionate, empathetic, and caring. And you've, you've explained them, honestly, I think all three of them there. So I feel like we hit that one for sure, but hilarious. Okay. Now I told you, I wanted to tell you what I thought about hilarious. Okay. All right. So the reason why I think you're hilarious is because every picture when I was looking, you know, researching everything, I went, okay, I'm pretty sure he's a bit of an actor. He has a very playful side to him, you know, with everything that you're doing. So I feel like you're either in in theater or you're in acting or, but there's this side of you, like, you don't care. You're just out there having fun. <laughs> I'm not an actor. I've I've done one class play. I'm I think just... you are hilarious though, and that's unusual for an accountant, right? I don't know. You know, maybe it is. Maybe it is. You know, well, I wasn't I wasn't born an accountant, so yeah. I I am really really funny. I mean, and most people, you know, to say it, it sounds dumb, but that's what everyone keeps telling me. People laugh at me. You know, and I think part of it is because I like to make people laugh and I like to laugh. Mm -hmm. And so I'll just say the craziest things, just hoping to get a laugh. And it's been that way since I've been a little kid. Just, you know, there's always one class clown that happened to be me. <laughs> and it just it's just followed all the way through. I had a little girl tell me recently, you know, you have crazy eyes because I'm always making these faces. And I'm like, you know, it makes people laugh. I do it. I like to laugh. I like to make people laugh. <laughs> yeah, that's a good thing. I think it's great. 
So, but yeah, and you're very, I think every time I've ever seen you, you're always smiling. So I think that's happy people that can make others laugh are usually you see it in their outward expressions too. Yeah. And I think laughter is the best medicine. It I, is. You, that's not my expression. Obviously I didn't invent that one, but I think it's really true when you're going through challenges, if you can just laugh a little, it really can just relieve a lot of the stress that's on the soul. Very much so. Very much so. So how did you get started? I know that you talked about it a little bit before we got into the show, but how did you get started being in your interest in accounting, chose that as a career path? Did you have other choices or other things that you were thinking about? What were you thinking you wanted to be when you grew up? It's interesting. When I was a little, little child and they said, what do you want to be when you grow up? I said, a chemist. Wow. I have I had no idea what a chemist was. The word just sounded cool. So it was chemist for a long time. When I graduated high school, I did volunteer work for four years. And then I, did, I had to get a job, obviously. And I got into typing, believe it or not, word processing. I took it in high school typing and I took computer science. And by the time I was ready to get into the work world, I was so far behind in the computer industry. So I just became a typist because that's what I can do. And this was working on electric typewriters. Remember those IBM Selectrics? And I did that for a good year. And I just jumped from there to word processing. I learned WordPerfect. My, my girlfriend at the time let me sneak into her office one day and look at it. And then I would do temp jobs until I got some temp work. And I just kept doing that. I kept taking jobs as a temp. It was good enough to get me a full-time job as a word processor for a small market research firm. I went from there to a law firm, but I love computers. That's what I took in high school. So by the time I got into a law firm, I had a great job at that point. It was like an application specialist. I started at the help desk. They saw my potential. They had me do all these different things. When I was at the law firm, I said, I want to become a computer programmer because I took it in high school. And that's when online courses first came out. So I took one right there at the law firm. And next thing you know, I'm a computer programmer. I had fell into a place where they were doing this for a business. It was called Plural. They started out micromodeling, shout out micromodeling, then long gone, but still. Mm -hmm. And I interviewed, they gave me a job as a programmer from Microsoft Word. I worked, I programmed that application specifically wow. uh, and did that. And, and honestly, programming is my passion. I love it. But as time rolls on, yeah, Y2K, those things happened. The industry was changing. I realized that I wanted to leave programming and start my own business mm -hmm. and didn't know what to do. My girlfriend at the time, she became my wife at this point, said, I want to do taxes. We took some tax courses and that's how my business started. We did, we did it as a side hustle. We did it for a while. And then I decided I can make this into a full fledged business. And that's what I started to do. I just worked my way toward becoming a bookkeeper, an accountant, you know, so I got my credentials and things of that nature. When I look back on it in hindsight, I really got that passion from working with my mom sitting there doing my dad's books all those years, side by side. And I just love it. And I, I've been doing it ever since. After 10 years in the game or so, I decided the fun part is not doing the books. I mean, I can do them. My eyes closed. The fun part is understanding what those mean and helping people who own their business understand why this number means that you're successful or failing and how we can change this or tweak this so that you can make more revenue, right? So it moved me toward this whole advisory area because I realized that that's where the power is with the knowledge, understanding how the numbers correlate to the business. Mm. It all boils down to the balance sheet, the profit and loss. But the problem is that business owners don't understand that correlation. They're just doing stuff to get taxes done or what have you. I'm here to help you understand why you're struggling or why you're successful. And if you're successful and you want to go to the next level, these are the things that you need to do. So it's been an interesting journey and time flies. I mean, 20 years, I had no idea. You know, I look back at the, the calendar and I'm old. Mm. So. No, you're not. <laughs> you look super <laughs> young. Okay. So I know you gave a little shout out to your mom. Was Did she go to school for this accounting? Was that something that she did or you know, she was really good mom, at it? I don't think mama did. Mama didn't. No, she didn't. She, my dad had a need and she just jumped in and started figuring things out. That's that drive. 
I -hmm. think that's the way they were. And it was, you know, we, there were no excuses. They were no, well, I didn't do this and I didn't do that. Or I, you know, I had this, no, they just did what needed to be done. And so when I started out, there was a naivety for myself. So I'm just jumping in and do it. I'm just doing stuff. And I'm like, you know, but you know how they say the more, you know, the more you don't know. Oh yeah. So true. So, you know, when I'm, when I'm doing other people's work, I realized, man, I need to know more because I'm in a different capacity than working for myself. Like, just work like working on daddy's books, right? If mm-hmm. I mess up daddy's books, well, maybe we won't eat tonight. But if I mess up a client's books, that can be catastrophic. So I had to continue to educate myself to get to a point where I could add value to them beyond just the basics. And that's really what I did. But it, yeah, my mom was the same way. She mm-hmm. just learned, did, accomplished. So are you saying you're self-taught or that you went to school for this? So I am not self-taught. I took a number of different types of courses. I took a course for taxation that got me my 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 fundamental education. And then I, you know, as an, I'm an enrolled agent licensed by the IRS. I took courses to get that competency. I took courses for bookkeeping. And then I take and you know how it goes when you get a, a, a license or credential, continuing education. So continuing education in the different areas of business advisory services. My coach, one of my coaches was a business advisor. Well, most of them are, right? But uh, advising me on how to be an advisor, <laughs> you know? So those are the things. So I, it's continuing education. Mm, so important. So very, very important. All right. So tell us about your business that you have now. How did you... How long has it been around? What is it that you do? I know that I, when I was introducing you to our listeners, I mentioned several of your programs. So let's talk about those. Okay. So it's next. I, I'm I'm going to say I started my business over 20 years ago as MCA certified tax preparers. That's what I was, a tax preparer. And it's evolved over time. I changed or did a DBA doing business as next level business advisory, because I want to focus on that aspect. And so Next Level Business Advisors is focused on helping business owners get to the next level financially, as far as success is concerned. It actually ties into the podcast stories of success, helping business owners understand what's possible and then making it that way. So we have a number of different services. Most of those were born out of need. Do you need a bookkeeper? We can help you with a bookkeeper. I I have a small staff. We do bookkeeping, but some people need their own. So bookkeeper on demand gives you the flexibility. We can help you find your bookkeeper and train your bookkeeper so that they can meet your specific needs for your business. We will help you and your bookkeeper create what we call, I call it a playbook, which is how your accounting is done for your business. And that way you have a a model for your bookkeeper to follow and for you to track. And then we have ongoing support for the bookkeeper, right? So a lot of my clients, when I'm doing advisory work, I meet with their bookkeeper on a regular basis so that their bookkeeper can make, we can make sure the books are accurate so that when we get to the owner, we can start the analysis aspect. So that's like the bookkeeper on demand program. The cash max program is a little different. One of the biggest challenges that business owners face is how to manage the money. It's coming, it's going. And I've had clients rack up huge debt because they're not managing their expenses properly. They don't know how much to give themselves. I get that. How much should I pay myself? What do I set aside for taxes? So I was working with a client, helping them understand their cash flow management. And I realized that this is a real need. So I sort of formalized what I called my process and gave it a name, Cash Max, because I want to maximize your cash. And we help business owners understand how to allocate every dollar that comes into their business, but not do it in a tedious way. So some people, many people have heard of like the profit first method. I did not steal from profit first. However, I I understand those principles. Those principles, he didn't invent those either. He learned it from his his grandma. She had the envelope method, right? And so it's just a variation of that. I try to keep it simple for myself and my clients so that every month we can analyze what has come in and what needs to go out for business expenses. And I do believe that you need to pay yourself if you're going to have any semblance of a life. Mm -hmm. So I came up with the Cash Max program just for that reason. Very nice. I noticed that you have an ebook also, and I think it's available from Amazon also. Oh, 
in Amazon, I had a, a hard copy book, actually. Got one right here. Had to look because I forget the title. <laughs> the Simple Resolution. This is a layman's guide to resolving tax problems. As an EA, I help. EAs are allowed to represent people before the IRS. So if people have tax problems, I would help them out. So I wrote that book just so that I can give people a simple understanding as to what they need to do if they run into a tax problem. And I do have a number of ebooks, actually. I have one about IRS tax penalties, which helps people. I get that a lot. You know, if I owe money, what's going to happen? How does that work? And other ebooks that I've written through the years to help business owners, the bulk of them focus on business success, what it means, how to achieve it. And those were available on my website and what have you. But, you know, I probably need to make those. I, I need to maybe have an, an a section on my website just yeah, for my should. material. Yeah, I need to write that down. There you go. Out of this conversation came another good idea for you, right? Yes, ma'am. Yes, awesome. ma'am. So how long did it take you to write your book? Because I'm writing one also. I'm working okay. on that. And I'm curious as to, you know, what is the length? I Typically, I hear ebooks are about 100 pages or somewhere 80 to 100. Oh, ebooks, a, a pure ebook. I've never written one that long. They're they're typically short and pithy. And I'll tell you why. When I started, I mean, I had long ones. and But my coach, when I wrote my first one, was like, people aren't going to read those long, long ones. Make it short and pithy. So I think mine might be 20-ish pages, 25, 30 pages. My hard copy book is a different story. I'm looking for that now. I don't even remember. That was 90, 92 pages of content. That's a lot. So, yeah, it, it is. I mean, it's not a big book, obviously. Yeah. I can't get that right, you know, but, and it was written some years ago. So I, I probably need to update this book with new things, but you know, we're running businesses, right? When you yeah. write something, you say, good job, Mark, you pat yourself on the back and you get on to the next project, you know? So, yeah. So but, true. <laughs> and it depends on the time when it comes to writing, you know, it's like anything else. If you're, if I'm in a groove, I can write, I can write half an ebook and, you know, in, in 25 minutes, it feels like, but yeah. then the next page might take three days. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. like catching the flow. And yeah. if, if you lose the flow, you're in trouble. So. Yeah. You have to be able to stay in that place. I don't know. Now that you have chat GPT, it's like years later, you could use that to help you like do some updating. You know, I'm going to have to learn about AI. I know we're going to talk about it a little bit, but I'm going to have to learn about that. Yeah, for sure. We will. Okay. Tell us about your podcast. Business Stories of Success by Entrepreneurs for Entrepreneurs. It's really, and, and you were a guest and, and, and it was amazing, which is why I said I wanted to work with you in other areas as well. But I started it because I love talking with my friends, my clients about business and what's possible. I used to tell them all the time, you know, when you, you know, business is not easy. But when you get it right, there's nothing like it. I'll mm -hmm. tell them that all the time, right? And it doesn't mean that you have to be a million-dollar business. I mean, you can be, depending on where you live, a 50,000 business. But if it's right for you, it can be amazing. And then you can craft it. So as I'm explaining this, my older brother says, man, you should do a podcast. This was several years ago. You should do a podcast. You have so much knowledge. And I said, what's a podcast? He was like, are you kidding? He listened to all these podcasts. So I started doing the research. And then I said, I couldn't imagine someone just listening to me yammer every time I go on. I need to interview people. I'm mm -hmm. much more interested in people and their ideas. So Business Stories of Success was about finding successful entrepreneurs like yourself and then understanding what success means to you because it's going to be different than what it means to me. And then we would discuss how you have achieved that success, some of the challenges along the way, you know, because what I wanted people to understand is that success is possible. It's achievable. You just have to define it for yourself and then work toward it. And so I think business stories of success, I call it my passion project. It's really to help business owners understand that you can be successful with your own business. And that's why I started it. And that's why I keep doing it even now. Yeah. I like that story. That's for sure. So, I mean, I'm still going back. To, okay. Did you self-publish or how did you publish? Did you get a publisher? I don't even know what to do. For my hard copy book? Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. 
hard, the hard copy book, I worked with someone who did all the legwork, which was very grateful. Mm-hmm. I was very grateful for the eBooks. You, I, I, I wrote the con the content out first, obviously using Microsoft Word. Then, and and I, I worked with multiple individuals, obviously. Then you send it to a designer because unless you're an artist, it yeah. will look really, really ugly. It's so funny. I wrote one, the IRS penalties one, and. My background, like I said, was word processing, desktop publishing for big banks. So I said, oh, I'm going to write it and I'm going to design it. So I designed it. I put my pictures in it. And then I sent it to my my designer. I said, hey, this is what I have in mind. He came back with something completely different. And it made me so embarrassed, the quality of the design, that I said, I shall never do that again. And <laughs> so you just, once you have your content, which is obviously the most important part, right? Because mm-hmm. that's what value is. Send it to a designer, have them design it, PDF it. And then it depends on what you want to do with it. I typically wrote eBooks. I, I've written them and, I, you know, used ads sometime like Facebook ads to try to promote it. One of my eBooks that I wrote, which is maximizing the five keys to business success. Mm-hmm. I use that as like a, my introduction to training business owners on what they need to do to be successful, mastering the five keys. So I've created like a whole program. In fact, like like we mentioned, we want to work together. That's one of the training programs that I'm going to be offering soon, mastering the five keys to success. And it's based on that ebook. So I just wanted to make encapsulate my thoughts and get it out. That's Um, great. Yeah. Yeah. Write it, content, get a designer, and then determine how you want to promote Yes, I get it. I get it. Well, thanks for those tips too. I appreciate it. So let me get over into some of these other questions and make sure I'm keeping track of our time here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hardest lesson that you learned that changed your life? It wasn't in business. I was just mentioning this to you, right? It's my first marriage. Mm -hmm. You You say, I do. You think it's forever. And I thought it was forever. Well, it wasn't. And it was devastating and it was challenging. What I learned from that was that nothing is guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Nothing is guaranteed. And so when you have adversity and you have something that fails, you have to be able to pick yourself up, perhaps move in a different direction and carry on. I. That's where I learned that I had strength that I didn't know I had. And it's it served me well throughout the rest of my life because now, and life is not perfect, I know it seems that way, but it's not perfect. When I have failures or I have something go wrong, I'm able to say, hey, I've overcome probably my biggest challenge in life. Pick myself up and keep moving forward. Yeah. I'm going through some challenges now, but I don't let it destroy me. I try not to let it take my joy, my my laughter. Mm-hmm. I try to pick myself up and keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. Good advice for sure. And there's a difference just so our listeners understand between joy and happiness. And joy is something that, you know, it's in you and you don't, like you were saying, don't let those distractions or the monkey chatter is what I call it, take you Mm. off off base, if you will, or off the path, because it can, it's a conscious decision to stay in that place of everything's going to be okay. I know who's Absolutely. in control. Everything is okay. Absolutely. I agree with you. And joy is not contingent on external situations or circumstances necessarily. Joy is found within. Right? Mm-hmm. And it's and it's often based on viewpoint or what we, you know, our own perception. So you threw a Bible verse at me. I'm going to throw not a Bible verse, but Eve in the Garden of Eden, right? She's surrounded by nothing but perfection and beauty, but she wasn't content. She didn't have any joy, right? So you can have the best around you and not be joyful, or you can be sitting in a devastating situation and still have joy. You have to find it though. You have to commit to it. I'm trying to commit to it every day. Yeah. It, It is a decision. We have to choose that for sure. So who in your life has had the biggest impact Oh, I already talked about her. my mama and my papa. Yep, yep. <laughs> I My dad, when I was very young, worked for the union and refrigeration and they let him go. The next day he was on his own with his own business and he had, he had, I guess he saw it coming. So he had started to prepare the way to prepare the way and he never stopped. And he had his own business from that day until the day that he retired and he raised, he took care of my entire family just on that salary. And it was three boys 
plus my uncle, my mom. And we did everything. We did family vacations. We did everything based on his work alone. And I remember what impressed me about him when he was an entrepreneur was some days he'd be home at 10 o'clock in the morning, 11 o'clock in the morning. Some days he'd be leaving the house at seven in the morning. You, I was like, you just create your own world. And that's what he did. And so it really impressed me. And my mom, she, she rounded me out. My mom's incredibly intelligent. She, she was involved in everything as far as our, the way we carry ourselves, the way we speak, you know, she didn't let us get away with slang until we got older, you know, but she was, she was that, she was the glue that held us all together. And my dad had his own business. My mom did the books and I sat by her side. She even bought me my first 10 key calculator and we were right on numbers together. That's, that's how I learned reconciliation. So they have impacted my life in every way possible. Very good. Very good. So what do you want to be remembered for in life? I, we, we chatted about it. So I want to be known as being loyal. Mm-hmm. When, I, when I have a friend or even a client, when I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. When they need me, I want to be there. I want them to know that I'm by their side. That's how I feel. And I'm, I'm a fairly transparent guy. Mm-hmm. So if I tell you that I'm that I'm going to do it, then I believe it personally, and I'm going to make it happen. I want to be loyal. I'll also tell you I'm not doing that. That's not going to happen. <laughs> and but that's part of being loyal. You know where you stand with me, and I want mm-hmm. to know where I stand with you. So I believe in loyalty, and that's what I want to be known for. Well, that's good stuff. This is the point where we're going to take a break and acknowledge our sponsor, Transcend Network, and we'll be right back. Transcend Network helps early stage startup founders find product market fit through weekly experiments, receive fundraising support, and build a global founder investor network for edtech and the future of work technologies. The Intern Whisperer is affiliated with Employers for Change, and we thank Transcend Network for being a sponsor of our show. And we're back to the second half of our show where we talk about the future of jobs and also what industries might look like in 2030. Now, it's not that far away. It's Seven pretty years. close. Yep. And we're halfway through this year almost, halfway, yeah. almost. So That's hard right. to believe. So what do you think 2030 is going to look like just from, you know, your your dreams, your visions, whatever it is that you have, influence from movies? <laughs> it's interesting when I think about 2030 because – Technology makes things change exponentially. And so it's hard to fathom what 2030 will look like, especially after we went through the COVID period. What I believe is that there's going to be a lot more automation. And so there's going to be a lot less of those basic jobs that we've come to know. So I I think that people are going to have to become more nuanced, more educated in order to keep working you know, to, to, to make the money that we want to make. Mm-hmm. Um, 2030 is going to be very interesting because technology will change a lot. I, I just believe it. Like you, we, we've talked about AI and I said, I am a, an AI neophyte. I am, but I can already see how it's impacting things for us to be viable. We have to learn new skills and those new skills might not even be on the market yet. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how fast things are changing. So I think we're going to have to be adaptable, versatile, quick on our feet, nimble in order to keep moving forward in the workspace. So what do you think is going to happen to bookkeepers? Woo-wee. There's going to be a decline. This is my guess in the bookkeeping field because of a number of reasons, but primarily technology will begin to, AI will become more adaptable and the basic structure of bookkeepers what we do as far as the basic classification of things will not be as important. So as a result, when things become commoditized, obviously dollars for that that skill decreases as well. And if people want to make ends meet, it's going to be hard to be a bookkeeper. Mm-hmm. We, and, and our industry is the same way. Intuit, which is the largest software company in the world, as far as accounting is concerned, in my understanding at least, they automate a lot of things and they're trying to compete against their own bookkeepers. They push the the mindset that you want to become an advisor. You know, like we said earlier, just knowing, seeing the numbers means nothing, understanding the numbers and how they relate to business 
that's a different skill set. I don't know if AI will get there. It can help, but you still have to intrinsically understand numbers. And I'll tell you this, there are so many bookkeepers out here and I've worked with bunches of them. I train them, I teach them, I advise who don't understand accounting because AI makes it such that you don't really have to understand accounting. So I think there'll be a drawdown from those individuals and only, don't they say cream rises to the top? So you're going to have to become a little bit specialized in that area. Bookkeepers will dissipate and advisors, real advisors will have to grow. And I think the one big difference is, you know, you can take a course to be an advisor, but that doesn't mean that you know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. experience makes all the difference, right? Experience trumps all. So when I think about advisors who just take a course or, hey, follow the script, it's this easy, they're missing out on the nuance that you you kind of have to walk through a little bit of the fire to understand how hot it can get. Yeah. You mentioned Intuit. Most people will know it also as QuickBooks. Absolutely. So, yeah. There's this place where companies can become too big. I used to be a customer of them and I am not any longer because I did not like being put into an automation. I did not like working with people that were not empowered to be able to help me. And I also was frustrated with the constant upselling within it. So I don't have a problem saying it on this. This is my show. I can say it. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the thing that I feel is going to be, if you're going to be a bookkeeper and you can do it for me, so I don't have to deal with them, maybe, but I don't want my bookkeeper to be frustrated with it. I think that it's going to be hard to get experience if you're not actually doing bookkeeping. So what are you doing then? You're facilitating customer service experience as a consultant, and that doesn't that doesn't equate. So I think it's going to be, there's so many unknowns. We don't know what it's going to be. I think that you're right. I think that, you know, to a certain extent, I'm right too. So who who can tell? Right now it's a crapshoot. Yeah. I guess that's what makes the future exciting. Yeah. Right. Because we have to, we have to ride the roller coaster to see how it ends. Yeah, definitely. So my next one is what, <clears throat> what are your thoughts about ethical dilemmas, dilemmas that we can see with AI. We know that it's out there. ChatGPT is a, a tool that people can use. They use it in schools. A lot of places they're using it in so many ways. And some people will think it's kind of like the internet. Well, I just Google it and it must be true because it's on the internet. And that's mm. not the case. And I feel like there will be some people that think, oh, it's chat GPT. It must be true. It's just a aggregating you know, information that's on the internet, essentially. So that means that there can be untrue things in there. I feel like the jobs that will come up would be researchers that go and review these any mm. anything that's created and make sure that they're being cited properly or if there were no sites, making sure citations are there. And then also taking it even just as a, a launch tool to create a draft and then personalizing it so it doesn't sound so robotic, maybe. Right, understood, understood. Yeah, and I was thinking that there might be a credibility gap if mm -hmm. you know, people get good at this, AI stuff, they don't, their true self is not coming through. They're, they're figuring out how to have the computer do it. But again, nuance is walking through something yourself. It's hard to talk to a certain topic if you haven't been involved in it, if you haven't done it. And the computer can learn it all, but that's not you. And yeah. so when the rubber meets the road, and, and I'm thinking even like in the accounting and the advisory work, for instance, and the client is saying, I'm struggling here. If you've relied on chat GPT to do all of your work for you, you won't know how to provide an answer. You better hope chat GPT can catch up or else you're going to be in trouble. Right. Yeah. And and I just think that you life is about experience. That's how we get better. Mm -hmm. AI is AI. I don't know if that's going to necessarily be the definitive thing that we need in order to improve as individuals or business owners specifically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree with you on that one too. So preferences, A, what do you think it's going to be remote work blended on site? I feel like people are going to be going back to the office. It will be flexible schedules. It will be to a certain extent, a hybrid. Some will have to be there, you know, medical staff, things like that. But for the most part, I think it's going to be a hybrid. There. 
I don't know. What are your thoughts? I believe that for the employees, they all want high, well, most of them want hybrid or work from mm -hmm. home. Uh, for the employers, they want you in the office mm -hmm. for the most part. Some will say, oh, no, that's I'm, I'm a free whatever. I believe what I believe. And I'll be honest now that I'm not employee anymore. <laughs> yeah. When I was an employee and I worked from home, I got some work done in between cutting the grass, re remodeling my yeah. basement. Right. I mean, I was not focused on the task at hand for the full eight hours. I didn't, especially depending on the type of work, I didn't have to be. So I ended up doing a lot more for myself than I did for the company. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was just the, the way it broke down. I didn't work from home a lot. That only happened quite honestly after 9-11. We had, you know, I worked downtown Manhattan at the time. So they had to have us at home. We didn't really have a lot of projects. So I think around, but I understood how that can be. And when I started my own business, I used to work out of my home and I was focused. I did pretty good, you know, but when I got my own office and this has been several years, it was a little bit different when I'm here in my office, I'm focused on work. I'm that's all I focus on. And when I get home, I don't think about this. So there's just being in a different environment changes your mindset, in my opinion. So it changes your mindset as to how you're viewing your task. So I think that even though people love working from home, it's not like they're as driven and focused as they could be. Mm -hmm. um, the nature of the beast. Yeah, I would know? agree with you too. Yeah, so much. So hard. It's, it's amazing that so much time has been slipping by here. But I'm going to go into one other little question here. Okay. What is the best mentoring advice that you would like to pass on to our listeners? Wow. That's a good question. And firstly, sorry, I know I talk a lot. So no, I know I'm it was making so time fly. You were talking about, yeah, things that are important. <laughs> Appreciate it. The best mentoring advice that I can give a business owner. You know, they say, many business owners say, just trust yourself. And I agree. But what I say is be realistic. Mm -hmm. Be realistic, right? Lay out your goals, lay out your dream, lay out your vision. But if you see that it's deviating from your path, be be realistic, understand that it is and make the appropriate adjustments. So it requires a level of flexibility that you might not otherwise, re, you know, think you need. And I'm going to use this one word. So in my podcast, Business Stories of Success, I ask a question. What's the one, the single most important quality you need to be successful? And I've gotten tons of answers from, I think I'm on like episode 60 or 70. So I've got 70 different answers. But the one that sticks out to me, I don't think anybody gave it, maybe one or two, discipline. Mm. If you're not disciplined, you will fail. And I've learned that word from coaching clients, advising clients. For the clients that when I give them a script and say, just follow the script, just try it for two weeks. When they follow it, we get results. doesn't mean it's going to work. But if you follow it, if you're disciplined enough to follow it, we can test and measure and tweak. The other half of my clients won't follow it. They don't have the discipline to follow it. And so when it's time to revisit the the task or whatever we tried, the plan that we came up with, we can never move forward because if they weren't disciplined enough to follow it, it doesn't mean that everything is going to work. But if you're disciplined and whatever you set out, you follow it, then you can test, tweak, adjust. Discipline, I think, is critical. And I would tell people, be disciplined if you're going to be your own business owner. Yeah, because there is nobody else that's going to come over and say, hey, where's that report? I need it. Or Absolutely. no, lunchtime is at one. That is your shift, right? That's right. That's right. I mean, I've been doing this over 20 years and there are times when I'm not disciplined and I see what happens. This training program that I'm going to, that I'm starting and it should start very soon. I thought about this at the end of last year. Well, now we're in the middle of this year and it hasn't started. You know why? Because I wasn't disciplined on following through on my training program. Mm -hmm. Six months passes by. Discipline is critical to being successful in business. That's my one word that I use now. Yep. And, you know, a lot of people will put a word and they make it like really big. It's the size of a big TV or something over their door. And mm -hmm. they, they use that as a motivation or it's a screensaver on their phone. So that is a really good reminder of 
so many things that come out of discipline. It can be weight loss. It can be a better reader. It can be, you know, yes. growing your business. But, and it goes with what you said at the very beginning that everybody needs a coach. So to be disciplined, sometimes you really need a coach. Someone to hold you accountable. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, 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 and uh, you know, there are different coaches for different things, but I, I feel that a good coach is going to have to have the courage to say, Hey, but we said do this mm -hmm. and you didn't do it. I mean, if you don't want to do it, it's your business, but tell me why you didn't do it. Maybe we can adjust, but you have to have that kind of a courage. That's AI doesn't give you. <laughs> that's the, that's the nuance that we need to understand the human psyche. I think. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. This has been a great show. I've thoroughly enjoyed everything that you've been sharing with our listeners about how to be, hilarious i'll throw that one out but you know all of this stuff that we were talking about that's way more serious and sometimes people go oh please you know that doesn't sound very interesting but yet it is discipline is the thing that can make you laugh it can be just making things happen in your life that's that's good for us so we should see it that way absolutely i agree i agree so how can people get in touch with you well, I have a number of different ways. I'm going to give you three. Okay. My my business line, 201-731-3358. 201-731-3358. That's how you can reach me via phone. My email address is mark underscore adams at nlbusinessadvisors.com. So I spell my name with a C, ladies and gentlemen, M-A-R-C underscore mm -hmm. adams at nlbusinessadvisors.com. Or if you hit me up on my website, nlbusinessadvisors.com, there's a contact page. Nice. Well, I appreciate all of that great information. I hope that you get hit, hit up with a lot of great you know, potential clients. And I want to thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. It's We've talked not just in my podcast and now in yours, but just on different levels, on different things. It's always a pleasure talking with you. Love it. Oh, thanks. Oh, real quick. What's going on with the fish tank in the back? Oh, great story. So I'm in a huge build, office building. And one day I went to the restroom and there was a sign. A guy said, getting rid of my fish tank if you would like to have it. And I ran up to his office and he's like, I had it. My, my kids used to come and check out the fish. They're growing. They don't come anymore. I don't want to be bothered. I've had that tank for years ever since. Took it down on a dolly, set it up here. And it's just, it's a great way to relax. Mm -hmm. So water I just stop so and stare. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Well, thanks again. And I look forward to talking with you again real soon. Absolutely. Thanks so much. We want to thank our sponsor, Cat5 Studios, and thank you to our production team, producer and editor, Leona Blair, and music by Sophie Lloyd. Visit Employers for Change at www.e4c.tech to learn how you can create real diversity and inclusion culture while scaling your people for the future of work. Thank you for supporting the intern Whisperer by subscribing to us on Podbean, our Employers for Change YouTube channel, or stream from your favorite podcast channel.